Welcome to the Human Experience Podcast, the only podcast designed to fuse your left and right brain hemispheres and feed it the most entertaining and mentally engaging topics on the planet. As we approach our ascent, please make sure your frontal, temporal and occipital lobes are in their full upright position. As you take your seat of consciousness, relax your senses and allow us to take you on a journey. We are the Intimate Strangers. Thank you for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Thank you so much for your presence this evening. We are going to be speaking to my guest... Tonight about plant medicine. Just waiting for everyone to show up here. This is our Christmas end of twenty nineteen special. And we're broadcasting live on YouTube, Twitter, DLive, Twitch, so many different platforms that we are multi-streaming to because the way YouTube is heading is just a strange place. If you haven't heard the show before, this should be something highly enjoyable for you. So welcome, welcome to the show. If you want to chat with us, simply go to allmylinks.com slash thehumanxp, click the top where it says community invite. That will let you onto the server where you can ask questions and talk to us here. So whether you're here with us live or listening to this on the podcast version, thank you so much for your presence sincerely appreciated either way sit back grab a drink and enjoy this conversation the human experiences in session my name is xavier katana my guest for today is mr carlos tanner carlos is the director of the Ayahuasca Foundation, a nonprofit organization based in Iquitos, Peru. The Ayahuasca Foundation is an organization that was created in 2008 from Carlos's desire to spread the science of plant medicine and healing to the wider world. Carlos later went on to open the Rizobo Ayahuasca Research Center in 2017, a research and healing center which will study the effects of ayahuasca and plant medicine on such issues such as childhood trauma, chronic pain, PTSD, drug addiction, and much more. Carlos, it's a pleasure. Very excited to have you here. Welcome to HXP. Thanks. Thanks so much, Xavier. It's great to be here. So, I mean, Carlos, such a large anticipation. Thank you again for making time to do this. Christmas was yesterday, so... You know, it's time for the holidays and no one really wants to work, you know, today, but I'm glad, I'm glad you're here and we could talk about such an important topic. I mean, but let's, you know, let's start sort of from the beginning. How did you get to a point where you, you know, you wanted to, to work in this field? Yeah. Um, well, it's always a challenge to try to pick a place to start, you know, when you're talking about a life path. Um, I often say that it all started with the movie Return of the Jedi because when I was just a little kid, um, I saw the Ewoks and they had a shaman. At least it was depicted as a shaman and that was became like my favorite figurine for some reason. And And that was the first time I ever really knew that there was such a thing as a shaman, I guess. Um, but later it, it kind of became more real for me, I guess, when I started reading uh, Carlos Castaneda's books in high school. And then, of course, when I started experimenting with psychedelics like mushrooms um, in high school and, and then in, into college. Uh, I started to feel like that there was something a little bit different about me, I guess. 
uh, I didn't really want to like go to a party or something. I enjoyed being out in the woods. Um, and then my life just continued on after college. I got a job, a career job working as a production ma- manager of a nonprofit. I mean, sorry, of a news weekly, um, called the Valley advocate in Western Massachusetts. And that was kind of like, oh, I here I am. You know, this is going to be my life. I have my career, so I got a nice house, had a nice car. You know, started checking the things off of the list that we're supposed to do when we uh, become successful. Uh, but a couple years in, I, I wasn't happy. I was actually like starting to feel more and more depressed, and uh, I really felt like this was like not satisfying this concept of success was not what what I had imagined it to be and I began drinking more started using different drugs not like psychedelics for exploration anymore I started using opiates to try to dull myself to try to tolerate the success I guess and Hmm. um, and that led me to kind of spiral out of control and slowly like spiral my life down into the depths of addiction, um, became a heroin addict, but still worked. You know, I, I, I was, you know, keeping my job and tolerating it by having myself be numb to it, uh, to mm. the, the dissatisfaction until that culminated in me waking up in my car at like two o'clock in the morning underwater. I had blacked out behind the wheel while driving high oh, no. on drugs and dr- drunk and um, had to figure out where the hell I was, climbed out the window of my car, swam to the shore, and at that point realized that if I didn't do something drastic, my life was going to end. Wow. And so the concept of success and you know tolerating it, whatever, all of that didn't matter anymore. It was more about survival and becoming healthy again. Sure. And two weeks later, I got an email from a friend seemingly randomly that in- informed me that she was in Iquitos, Peru, that she had met these two men from Russia who had found a shaman that they were drinking ayahuasca with and she had no idea that I had driven into the river. She, you know, was traveling and didn't know any of that news, Mm -hmm. but decided to write to me to see if I wanted to come down. So I took that as an omen and I uh, booked a flight and flew down to Peru, met her, drank ayahuasca and... I guess you could say the rest is history, but the the reality was that I spent the most profound three weeks of my life in a healing process that uncovered the traumas that were at the root of my addiction and the root of so many other problems in my life and came to an understanding of what healing was on such a deep level and also an expanded view of what reality is on such a deep level. And... During that time, the shaman, or as they call them in Peru, Corandero, whose name was Don Juan, uh, he told me that this was my path to be a healer. Mm-hmm. My experiences in my own process were pointing me in the same direction, and he invited me to become his student and be his apprentice and live with him, and I accepted his offer and so that was in June of 2003. And then in January of 2004, I moved to Iquitos permanently. And I lived with him for four years. And at the end of, really at the end of three years, um, I started coming up with this idea that would eventually become the Ayahuasca Foundation. Wow. I mean, um, it's such an amazing story. You know, we've we've covered, you know, various aspects of addiction on the show we've had dr gabor mate i'm sure you know who that is and of course. he does he does a lot of work as you know on on addiction and i mean there's I mean, there's there's something about being here i mean whether it's being incarnate here or what but there's something about being in pain and and wanting to somehow mask that suffering and and According to Dr. Mate, you know, the what's happening with an addict is that they, you know, that's what they're trying to do. They're in so much pain that they're just trying to mask that pain level they're in. 
I agree completely. I mean, I'm so fortunate to be able to read his work, and and I uh, I'm so thankful for his contributions for sure. But that's exactly it. You know, that's exactly what it was for me as well. Like the the addiction to drugs was uh, an attempt at self medication, and I think that's what's happening for so many people. Um, when it comes to what you could call emotional or even spiritual afflictions, modern medicine just doesn't, uh, it's not very adequate at treating them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people go to therapy for years and years and years and and don't really get that far because, in my view, the trauma that's caused or that causes the the need for drug addiction or or other addictions. People express their you know that they try to medicate themselves not necessarily with substances, but maybe with actions, um, you know, with gambling addictions or shopping or whatever it might be. Like there are other ways that it gets expressed, mm-hmm. but all of those um, causes, the root causes, which I refer generally to as traumas. They are all happening at heightened sense of emotion. There are heightened emotional states, uh, heightened perceptive ability states, which comes from having those heightened emotion states. And so if you're just sitting on a couch and you're relaxed, then you're not going to be able to reach the depths that those heightened states allowed you to achieve. And that's where psychedelic therapy becomes so valuable. And that's why ayahuasca is so powerful because it replicates that heightened state, except it doesn't have fear to replicate it. And so you have a controlled environment where you actually have access to those deeper levels of consciousness where the roots are planted, so to speak. And you can then pull those roots up as in, in the metaphor. Yeah. Um, I, I've come to like look at it a little bit differently, which is uh, using the a reference of states of matter. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, we're very familiar with the three most common states of matter of water, which would be vapor, liquid, and solid, or gas, liquid, right. and solid, the common three states. Mm-hmm. And those, I feel, can be related to the three states of our being, which would be our mind, our thoughts, um, and the the liquid related to our emotions, and then the solid related to our physical bodies. Um, But those can also be related to the three states of matter in consciousness, Um, the gas state being the state of ideas, and the liquid state being the state of beliefs, and the solid state being the state of truth. Hmm. And you know, the truths reside in your body. And the truths essentially become the foundation that you build your realities on, your personal truths. And and beliefs, though, they flow more like your emotions. They can change. You know, it's, it's easier to change your beliefs uh, mm-hmm. than it is to change your truths. And the ideas are the, the most fleeting. You know, like you can have ideas come and go all the time. Um, and then you condense them into beliefs when there's a particular resonance to an idea Mm -hmm. and then a belief can sink down into freezing so to speak you know you can solidify a belief into a truth but when you solidify the belief into a truth it then begins to reside in your body and that we would call the subconscious because it's just much more difficult to access Mm. it's solid you know and so once you solidify a belief into a truth, it's very challenging to liquefy it again, you know, to, to bring it out of the realm of solid. And that to me is what happens when you have a trauma. Hmm. You know, you're, you, you take a, an idea that becomes a, a belief through the heightened emotional state and then it, it becomes solidified in, into a truth inside your body. And... It's just very, very challenging to to liquefy, you know, to to transform that truth back into the state of beliefs and ideas so that it can be let go. But when you use a substance like ayahuasca, which is essentially an amplifier of perceptive ability, then you have a much greater access to the solidified state. Mm 
Hmm. You know, you, you have an expanded awareness of what is, what you are and, and what the world is around you because you can see beyond the visible spectrum and hear beyond the audible spectrum and, and all of your senses can sense beyond their normal limitations of biology. Hmm. And by doing so, you can gain much greater access to those truths and then you can liquefy a truth, you know, you can transform a truth back into the realm of beliefs and ideas if it doesn't serve you, if it's detrimental to you, which a trauma, of course, would be. But you can also take ideas and beliefs that are positive and helpful for you and solidify them, you know, replace a detrimental truth with a positive truth. Sure. And that, to me, is the essence of the healing process within the ayahuasca tradition. I absolutely love that analogy so much. I mean, what is the human body mostly made of is is water, right? So, I mean, it, it's perfect. And I mean, yeah, and the cells contain memory. So, you know, when you experience trauma, it's it's like the consciousness is a crystalline structure and it does store, you know, it does store information. Um, and in my experience with, with ayahuasca, uh, it's it's kind of like, a closet door that's been closed and the light is off and you forgot about it in your house, in the house, in your mind, you've just, you've forgotten it's there. And in my experience, what ayahuasca does is it opens that door, it turns the light on and one at a time it pulls out, you know, something that you've forgotten about, a trauma that's affecting you and you look at it, you observe it and you look at, you get to play with it from different angles and you know, somehow that that affects the the healing process. Without a doubt, I mean, my, you know, to to give the example of my personal healing experience and how it relates to what the ideas that I just put forth are. Um, I had a, you know, I I I feel like my life was basically very very good. You know, I wasn't, uh, my parents didn't abuse me. They didn't beat me or anything. I, I wasn't like in the presence of, uh, you know, an abusive relationships in, in my in my family, in my life or anything. But I did have some traumas. And and so I was sexually molested in, the, in a park by a stranger when I was young. And that definitely like had a powerful uh, negative influence on my life. But there was a particular moment in my life that I completely forgot about, that I, I, I had no idea was there. And in the second ayahuasca ceremony that I attended, I relived that experience. Mm. Like all of a sudden I was eight years old again and I was in my room. My brother who shared my room uh, was crying and I was listening using a glass against the wall to my parents on the other side of the wall in their bedroom having an argument because my father had lost his job and they were fighting about money and finances and I was the youngest of four children and for some reason my mom decided to say that they didn't have money for me you know and like named me as if like to suggest that if they only had three kids, then they would have been okay, you know. And then my parents went on to get a divorce. And I totally forgot that that moment had happened. But right there in the ayahuasca ceremony, I relived this memory. And as soon as I started, you know, as soon as I saw the scene like playing out, I was like, oh, my God, I totally remember. You know, I remember this this night mm -hmm. exactly. And then I saw like how I had taken that moment and decided that it was my fault. Hmm. You know, my mom had said me, you know, she, she had named me as the, the, the person that the family couldn't afford to have, you know. And, and from that moment on, I took it on myself that it was my fault that my parents got a divorce. And I was a burden on my family and I began pushing away 
my parents love like they would want to get me new clothes for school and I would refuse and they'd want to like throw a birthday party for me and I would adamantly re refuse like and refuse to accept any presents from them and and that like started to infect all of the relationships that I had as I got older and older this this one seed of an inaccurate interpretation of a particular incident infected my entire life to the point where I couldn't allow someone to love me when I was an adult and I didn't feel like I deserved it you know I had like transformed that burden to my family to a burden of the world and and that led to this depression that couldn't really be resolved and I didn't even know that it had happened you know I, I didn't even remember but then mm. right there in the ceremony I reinterpreted, more accurately interpreted that same situation, but in that heightened state, and I, I was able to override the original misinterpretation mm -hmm. and replace it, essentially like took a truth that had been in solid form in my life for decades and removed it. And I released it into the realm of belief and ideas and let it go and then replaced it with a more accurate truth that served me better. And then the next day, I wrote letters to my mother and my father apologizing to them and asking for their forgiveness and letting them know that I forgave them and starting the process to regain all of that harmony and balance and love in my relationships Wow. And of course, like it doesn't just fix everything right. because the, you know, the effects are there. They've been decades of effects. So you yeah. have to like work at it for a long time. Yeah. But at least I had the, the right foundation to do that. And, and so that's like, that was a personal example of how it happened for me. And I think that if you were to talk to pretty much every single person in the world, they all have some story that resembles that to some degree, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's really interesting to me you know, how much of a profound effect ayahuasca can have. I remember after after the first time that I drank the tea, the first time I had a very deep awareness and realization that alcohol was a poison. It was poisonous to my body, and I I never drank alcohol again. I still don't. I just have no need for it, you know, and. I mean, there's, and there's also something about the Western paradigm of Western medicine that kind of is this sort of revolving door. You know, it, 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 it doesn't seem to seek cures for patient. It's patients. It seems to want to get you on drugs, sort of, you know, mask the symptoms and, you know, bring you back next month. And, and I think the people that I encounter that have this interest in, plant medicine or namely ayahuasca they they're curious about it because they've met this wall in western medicine and they are to be honest they're just desperate they want to they want to be healed they want to be you know for lack of a better word normal they just they want to feel like they're making progress somewhere within themselves you know and so they're searching for you know retreats that thousands of miles away and you know, it's a weird system that we're in would you agree definitely uh i mean it's hard to look at where we are now and not have some level of some sort of kind of conspiracy theory um which is <laughs> which is, is such a shame you know but i definitely feel like we had a system of medicine that was trying to bring about health and happiness for people. And that somehow was replaced by this massive uh, profit corporate, you know, this corporatism of, of medicine that we have now, which is exactly like what you say. And, and it makes total sense. I mean, if you're a pharmaceutical company and you're trying to make money and the way that you do that is selling medicine to sick people, you clearly do not want everyone to be healthy. You know, you don't, you're like, hey, this is our whole livelihood for our, for our shareholders to, to profit. 
we need as many sick people as possible. Do you really want people to be healthy? If anything, you want to find out ways that you can get people to be sick because that's going to gain more customers. So it's, it's, that's the kind of the conspiracy theory, theory element of it where we have what we jokingly kind of call a healthcare system uh, where it doesn't really seem like people care about you at all and they're not even trying to have you be healthy. And that's not the doctor, though. That's not the nurse. Like, I think that human-to-human interaction is, like, people do want you to be healthy. Your doctor does want you to be healthy, except that they went to a school that was funded by a pharmaceutical right. company. Right. And the, and the a curriculum that they studied was developed by people that sat on the board of pharmaceutical companies. And so they learned, essentially, to become prescribers, Right. And now in the U.S. where you see advertisements for prescription drugs, which is pretty ridiculous that we even have that, but they don't even refer to the doctor sometimes. They say, ask your prescriber for more information. <laughs> yeah. Like just, you know, go to the guy who has to write you the piece of paper to get this because you want this drug, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really amazing. I, I guess we could, you know, harp on that all night if we wanted to. But, you know, kind of moving on here, I, you know, I was I was going through some of the th- some of the videos that you've done, and um, there was there was something that I recall that you mentioned that I I really want to talk about because I mean I, I guess this this part of it fascinates me. I feel like, you know, in many of the visions that I've had um, in my ayahuasca experiences. It seems like there is a sort of battle between light and dark, you know, like, and and I mean that, you know, in exactly those terms, like the the light side, you know, good versus evil. And I, I think you mentioned one in one of your in one of your sessions with the T, you um you were battling a demon. Is that right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. My first teacher, uh, he had a particular perspective that was very kind of in line, I would say, with Western medicine in a way, in the sense that he he felt like you needed to be a warrior and you had to have your sword in, in the spiritual dimension. Hmm. Uh, I was like a samurai. And in the beginning, I thought that was super cool, you know, to be a samurai. Like in my visions, I would be this badass samurai and like chopping stuff up with my knife, with my sword. Um, Because it fit into my view also, like as a Westerner, like you fight an illness, you fight a disease, you know, you you kill the disease. Um, But and so that was at that time. Like I that that story, which I believe was in uh, La Pequeña Muerte, when I was talking about that. I'm not. I'm thankful. Thank you for uh, watching those videos, by the way. Mm. But um, but yeah. So early on, um, I believe that was just my third ceremony. I found a, a vine. Like just looked down and saw that there was a vine growing out of my belly mm. into the ground, mm-hmm. and uh, decided to follow it. So my spirit left my body and like started climbing down through the earth um, following this vine and it followed it like through the earth all the way to the other side of the earth into outer space and at the Hmm. very end of it was a giant black shiny pterodactyl and (laughs) you know you got to put this into the context that I have drank ayahuasca twice before this you know and now I'm having this vision um and as soon as I saw the pterodactyl, I was just like, you were driving the car because mm. it, it had always bothered me, like how I had blacked out behind the wheel. I, I kind of, it, it, when I say I blacked out behind the wheel and drove into a river, people often imagine that I just blacked out and swerved off the road. Mm. But that's not how it happened. I blacked out and drove down Main Street, took a left at the light, 
went through two lights through the center of town, took a left on Route 10, drove like four and a half miles, took a left down a road I'd never been down, drove this windy road down until it hit a cornfield, drove across the cornfield through the like cornfield and then drove into the river. You know, Mm. like I had this crazy like specific route that I had driven. And so when I woke up, you know, I was like, where the hell am I? Like, how did I get here? Like, how, like, who was driving the car? I kept thinking, like, who was driving the car? You know, like, I was blacked out. Like, how was I driving and not conscious? And and so as soon as I saw the pterodactyl, I was like, you were driving the car. And <laughs> and I just pulled out my sword. This was before my, I don't think he'd even told me that I needed one, but I just had one and I chopped that thing up into pieces. Mm-hmm. And then I was afraid that it was going to, I don't know, Terminator 3, like back into, like melt back into itself again. Mm-hmm. So I, I pulled out a laser that I had of, just happened to have this is all in my vision you know and lasered the pieces into this dust that floated in space because we were we were floating in outer space and you know i what what was that really like what was really happening there i I don't know i but i definitely know that when i did that i had just defeated a demon you know i had just with my own force, my own power, my own strength, I had just vanquished a demon that was in my life that had been attached to me, that had been connected to me. And there were, you know, there's just so many very fast interpretations, very fast decisions that you make. It was a, it was a vine coming out of my stomach and it was perched on this vine. And somehow I just quickly knew that it was using that vine to take energy from me. And, you know, it, it was like, uh, putting thoughts into my head and you know all of these things just quickly became interpretations as soon as I was presented with the scenario and so in defeating all of that I then had all this like liberation like ah I'm free like I don't have that demon and I don't even care really what that whole thing was except that I knew that afterward I was completely empowered you know I, I felt like no one was controlling me anymore. Like I was in control of my life. I was taking full responsibility for my actions. And, and at that, in that moment, like that second, I knew that I would never do drugs again. Like I, I was, wow. you know, I, I was done. Like that was it. I, I connected a representation of my addiction to that creature. And when I defeated it, then I defeated my addiction. And that was how it played out. That's amazing. What a profound story. Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, I think, I don't know, man. I mean, I think people have, you know, some, you know, relevance to that, something in their lives, perhaps they don't feel. And, you know, I feel like that, that the sense of this is increasing more and more. I don't know if it's just a sign of the times. I don't know if it's like a Kali Yuga thing. You know, maybe we are just, maybe it's just the way things are now. You know, and maybe this is how we learn and grow the most is through these battles in our lives. And whether, you know, it's it's a demon or whether it's something else, you know, it, it there is that you're you're fighting with that. And, you know, there there are some people who are called to this this role of of ayahuasca. And I know for me, it it's 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 in my DNA. It's it's in my blood and you know for you you felt something similar so you know if we could get into um you know you run a center in peru how did how did you get to a point where you know you 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 mentioned a little bit about you know how much your life transitioned into you know something that you you know you changed completely but you know what's involved in cre- opening a center in peru i mean which is basically in the middle of the jungle right yeah totally Um, yeah, I mean, getting back to like, just what you were describing, and and the state that we're in right now, you don't have to go that far back in modern history. And thankfully, you don't have to go back at all, because there are cultures that are fully intact, like non westernized cultures still exist on the planet, thankfully. And, and that's who I work with. 
um, down in the Amazon rainforest. But even our ancestors, no matter where you're from, like no matter who you are, all of our ancestors practiced a form of plant medicine that had at its core belief the existence of us, like our existence as spirit, and that all of nature was made of spirit like every animal had a spirit and every plant had a spirit and we are essentially spirits and and that isn't that far back you know you don't have to go that far back to have that be our own ancestral wisdom mm -hmm. but it so it's a real it's like in the span of human history it's an incredibly new idea to abandon that concept of spirit and science is really to blame. Like, I don't want to, like, um, be negative towards science because it made so much sense for why science came to be and why it wanted to start out, you know, from the beginning, I guess, or from scratch. But um, but science took this notion where, you know, let's start with with the stuff that you can touch, you know. Let's start with the, the easy stuff, the solid stuff. And we'll work our way up. And, and so spirit just kind of fell by the wayside. It was, it became, it, it, it became removed, you know, from our, our mm -hmm. consciousness. Mm -hmm. And, and then uh, human culture kind of started spiraling out of control. And, and so I definitely feel like when it comes to these concepts of demons or, or the concepts that the indigenous people still use today in their understanding of the world, it is still within a spiritual dimension. It's their paradigm, you know, the, the spiritual paradigm or the indigenous paradigm. And, and we don't have that. And, and I don't think it's coincidence that we don't have a spiritual paradigm and we are all suffering from depression. Hmm. You know, we are, and, and, it it fits consumerism perfect you right. know like the, the corporatism like oh you feel like you're empty inside because you don't have the understanding of what you're truly filled with which is love and spirit then buy stuff go buy something yeah, yeah right exactly um and so we're all coming to find that now though we're all kind of waking up to that and like you were saying we're all starting to like feel this uh, intuition that we need to get back to what our ancestors were doing and but unfortunately we don't have that you know i don't have the ability to go see where my ancestors nobody's doing it anymore it's forgotten you know it's gone and so we're traveling to the distant places left on the planet where those ancestral traditions are not gone sure and where they're still being practiced and so thankfully that they are being practiced right and and now even science is is coming around. You know, it's kind of coming full circle to the point where even scientists have to acknowledge that there is certainly something beyond what our normal understanding is, and that there's there's whether you want to call them dimensions, although that's certainly being a word being used by science now. You know that there are many many dimensions uh, that are existent, but we don't aren't able to perceive them due to our biological limitations you know like we're even within our scientific paradigm we're coming around it's just that that those details of that uh, aspect of understanding within current science is not permeating into general consciousness the way that like biology is yeah. or chemistry is you know but i think that that's just a matter of time and i feel like there's a coming together now where you have science actually looking directly at ancestral traditions and basically opening up to a new understanding that hopefully will be will be permeating the, the future of humankind and be what brings us back to harmony and balance. And that's where, to get all the way back to your original question, sure. I don't feel like I did much to start the Ayahuasca Foundation or to start the, the research center or, you know, all of that. It just played itself out. You know, like uh, I just kind of followed the path like i just did what i was supposed to do that's what it always has felt like mm -hmm. and um and so now like looking back i i i look back and i'm like wow this is 
incredible. Like this is so great that that this happened, you know. But I I can't really say that I did that much. Of course, you know, I made decisions. I I I acted, and I had faith and I trusted. But but all of the people that it took to make the ayahuasca foundation and and all the people that it took to to get the research projects and the the funding from the UK government and all of that you know like i didn't do much to, those people just showed up you know mm-hmm. and and i believed in it like i believed that it was going to happen and the reason i believed in it is because spirit told me you know mm-hmm. like i i had ayahuasca showing me the way and then i had the 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 bioluminescent tree noya rao like literally just setting it all up for the research the research center belongs to a tree <laughs> what do you mean so, it's so true but i basically received an email in 2013 saying hey we're a charity organization in the us and called the grant town foundation and i'm so thankful for the grant town foundation uh, I encourage anyone to like check out their website, granttown.org. I'm so thankful for them. Um, and they offered to fund the building of a research center if I would build it. Wow. And I knew it was going to be a huge project. And so to help me make that decision as to whether or not I should do this, I went into the jungle and I did a diet with a, a bioluminescent tree called Noya Rao, a mm. tree that's leaves glow in the dark. <laughs> and um, if you're watching on YouTube, there's a picture on the right-hand side of my teacher, Don Enrique, up above and down below. There's some blue leaves. Those are there's a photograph of the leaves that are actually glowing. Yeah. Um, and so I did a diet with this tree, which essentially meant that I ingested it and I chose to fast. So I fasted for eight days. And so I only in- ingested the extract of a root uh, <laughs> of the root of this tree and nothing else for eight wow. days. And I connected with this tree. And, and so when I walked out of the jungle, I had drawn the architectural plans for the research center on a piece of paper with a pen. And, um, and so that was like clear that, yes, I was going to accept this offer and I was going to take on this project. And, but, but it was really like Neuerau, this tree that brought me to that decision and Neuerau is what I feel like brought me the researchers because I have a degree in philosophy and a degree in art. You know, I was a graphic artist hmm. as my career in the U.S. And I knew nothing about research. And here I am like building a research center in the middle of the jungle. And people would, of course, ask me like, how are you going to do the research? And I would say, I don't know. Like, I honestly, I don't know, but I I feel like once I get it close to built, like the people will show up, like the right people will show up. And sure enough, like a psychiatrist from the National Health Services came and did a retreat. And he had met one of my facilitators randomly in like a bar in Costa Rica or something. And and he did a retreat. His mind was blown. He went back and he took it upon himself to write up all the grant proposals. And hmm. he won the grant from the National Health Services. The UK wow. government actually gave him the money to set up his research. That's and incredible. so all we did was host it. And then him, si- Simon Ruffle is his name, and Nigel Netsband, the two of them came and they set up their own research and they did it. And the findings are stellar and they're they're going to be published in the next couple months but i just like two weeks ago i was with them looking at the results that they just finally like finished compiling all the data at the end of this year and it's uh it's just it's gonna make people's jaws drop to see just how effective this medicine is wow i mean there's there's so much there carlos i I don't know how to package that or unpackage it i mean okay so i mean uh, this bioluminescent tree that led to this sort of enlightened state of consciousness where you know you you're inspired to draw out the blueprints for you know this what would be the center that you're doing all this this research in and you know this grant that you got and and the people kind of appearing in your life as they needed to and i I fully prescribe to that same idea that, 
And it's kind of how I built this show and everything around here is, you know, the people who are supposed to sort of appear do and, you know, it's it's always kind of been that way. And not to say it's not a struggle, it's not hard, it, it is really hard to do what we're doing, but, you know, we push forward. Um, I want to get into love. You know, you talk about love, talk about love and, and forgiveness. If you could touch on, you know, the couple, those two things. Uh, that would be that would be amazing yeah definitely um well i think the way that i look at um you know the way that i look at everything is through consciousness now like i my philosophy if you want to call it that is that everything is made of consciousness so the energy of the universe is consciousness every cell is consciousness every atom is consciousness like every there is nothing but consciousness that is my personal philosophy um but of course there's so many different kinds of consciousness just like we were talking about states of matter and um ultimately those states of matter are could be described as frequencies you know like a a lower frequency will put you down into a solid more solid state of matter and a higher frequency of vibrational energy would put you in a a higher state like a liquid or eventually gas or the highest of all the plasma state which i didn't really talk about which is to me spirit and consciousness um in the in in that reference before that i was making and and so love is in the realm of the highest vibration and so if you picture a wavelength, you know, like a, a, a line that goes up and down and you picture one that goes up and down with, you know, very, very close to each other. So the peaks and the, the troughs of that wave are so close to each other that it almost just looks like a band. That is the frequency of love. And and so musically speaking like if you if you have a note and it has a frequency you want it it will sound good if it resonates with another note that has a symmetry to those peaks and troughs in their vibrational frequency Mm -hmm. but love has you can't not be in harmony with it you know it's it's so there's so many peaks and so many troughs that like no matter where your vibrational frequency is it's always going to resonate with love and so when you're in a state of love like everything is in resonance everything you know fits everything feels right nothing feels wrong when you're in that state and we fall out of that by thinking that love is something that we have to get from someone else Mm -hmm. and that to me is part of like the the sad state we're in where we don't have spirit as our core identity like i was mentioning before we think that we're individuals that are made that are bodies and therefore we are alone essentially in the world and even though we have relationships we are always like alone as a body but when you have spirit as your core and everything has spirit as its core then you have this universal spirit that you're all a part of something and the simplest term for that is nature we talk about nature as if it's something outside of ourselves like it's very common to say i love being in nature but we rarely say that we are nature and yet we are you know of course we are we are walking on this planet as animals and every other animal is nature but not us and and that's just inaccurate and so if we could get back to an idea that we are nature then I think very quickly we can get back into the state that by loving nature, which I think is a pretty easy thing to do, you know, when you see a beautiful mountain or a beautiful stream or a waterfall or just a flower blooming or hear birds chirping, or even when you see a child smiling, like a, it, it still has that aspect of nature. If we include ourselves in that, then we can easily bring that love to ourselves and feel that love from nature because nature loves us the same way it loves every tree every plant every animal and i know that might sound like some hippie crap or something (laughs) but 
but it really is the reality like that vibrational frequency of energy is permeating all of existence but our consciousness is so powerful that we can deny ourselves that and in the same respect like you got to where you are because you felt that you trusted this vision you know you 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 had a vision and you knew it mm. you know you you like knew that this was going to be it mm-hmm. and to the point where even if there was an obstacle you were going to find a way around that obstacle sure. or through that obstacle mm-hmm. because you believed in it right and and that's what it was for me too like I was building a research center and I had so many problems I mean it got hit by lightning at one point like crazy stuff happened but I just knew to such a degree that it that it was meant to be that I just persevered I just did what I had to do and and I think that every success story has that underlying theme that people just knew and that's why they were able to persevere and when an opportunity comes and you don't have that belief then it's very easy to say nah that could never happen you know oh that door could never open for me kind of mentality and then you just don't walk through the open door or you don't allow that opportunity to reveal itself or to you know provide the gifts that it is there to to provide mm-hmm. but when you do believe in it then you're ready to step through that door you're expecting it you know you you're just like oh well an opportunity is going to come i know it will because i believe in this and that to me is the result of reconnecting with nature and allowing yourself to bring yourself up to that resonance of love and that frequency of energy yeah i mean that's such a powerful statement i think that that realizing you know love is within ourselves and you know there i think so much of something that happens is that people are seeking that connection so much with someone else and looking for something that's already inside of themselves as uh you know i don't know as as a means to get it you know through someone else's validation or acceptance or maybe it's like a neurological thing that happens in the brain but you know even that is short-lived you know until you find out that when it comes from yourself it's it's the most lasting and the most pure and the most real but you know unfortunately the way our culture is set up it's it's just it's not very aligned towards demonstrating or showing you that you know that that love is in within within yourself i mean even even with you know this idea of you know christmas and you know consumerism and the way the pharmaceutical industry is i mean there's so many different adversarial sort of avenues that a human being can experience when you know you're just living an ordinary life and you're trying to get by and you know especially this time of year i think it it really affects people you know they look out at you know they look externally at the lives of others maybe it's on instagram maybe it's on twitter whatever wherever it is but you're comparing your life to theirs and you're thinking in your mind like, oh, okay, well, this guy has it, this person has it made. You know, this person has everything that I desire and want in my life and then somehow you just feel like crap because of that. You know, I I recently had someone tell me exactly that, that, you know, they just don't feel like they're in the right place in their life because you know, everyone else around them seems to be more put together, but that's just that that couldn't be further from the truth. It's just that's just not a it's a, it's a fault. It just appears that way. Would you agree, Carlos? One hundred percent. I mean, that's where I um I say I sum it up by just saying nature knows. But I I I love I spend a lot of time in the Amazon rainforest, and um, I mean, like in the jungle, you know, and. The trees, the forest, like the whole the, the whole environment, it just always has the answers, like every every answer, and and yet it, comparisons are just futile. Like in nature, 
you would never say, oh, the pine tree is so much better than the oak tree. You know, like you would never, that's that's kind of a ridiculous thought. The pine tree is what it is. The oak tree is what it is. They're totally different. The pine tree has all of these qualities and that's so cool. And the oak tree has all these qualities and isn't that cool. And and that's how it is with nature. But for some reason, when we're com- we 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 want to compare ourselves and and try to make that claim, you know, mm-hmm. want to like try to say like, oh, that one's better, and I'm not as good, or I'm better than that one, and it's it's kind of just useless. And and that to me is another example of how reconnecting with nature, like looking at the at trees and and plants and seeing how they do it like they've mm. they've pretty much perfected it you know they've got life down that they're, they're not mm. questioning their realities much you know they're not wondering if they're if they're worth their value they're one in 100 percent faith and trust all the time and they're always thriving you know they if given the right environment every plant will thrive and they'll never question it mm. and and that's like to me the perfect example of what we're supposed to be doing and i know it, it it's weird to like talk about plants being your uh, mentors mm. but but that is exactly what plant medicine is about and honestly that is exactly what ancestral wisdom is about like all of our ancestors were very c- closely connected with a particular plant or a, a group of plants that enabled them to regain or maintain their harmony, health, and balance in their lives. And I mean, this was happening for tens of thousands of years in human history, and it's still happening. And so even though it sounds weird to say it in the state that we're in now and the way that our lives are, it was certainly not a weird idea for tens of thousands of years in human history. And I think it's just high time for us to get back to looking at plants again and plant medicine again. And and thankfully, that's that is what ha- that is what's happening. In fact, yeah. on February twentieth, uh, there's going to be the Thank You Plant Medicine movement, the social media movement, where everyone is encouraged to use the hashtag Thank You Plant Medicine and share a story about how plant medicine helped them in their healing process. And I think that's awesome. Very cool. I mean, there's. The- yeah, I would agree 100%. Um, I would say that plants are much smarter than human beings and probably more intelligent than we will ever be. And, and there there is a sort of networked intelligence, consciousness that, that understands the nature of the universe. I mean, we as humans, we I think we like to think we know what's going on, but it, it's not that's just not how it works we don't we have no clue what's going on here and you know plants have and ayahuasca you know namely as a teacher i think it it will remind you of that and if you fight that it will it will remind you of that in a not so gentle way <laughs> you know so i mean if 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 it if an ego thing is your problem then i don't, I don't know but you know there there is there does seem to be this resurgence of psychedelics that I, mean, I don't really like that that term but that's the one that we have right now but there does seem to be this resurgence in awareness of you know plant medicine and the research that's coming out i mean we're seeing it be become legalized like mushrooms are becoming legalized and there there are institutions like john hopkins that are opening and uh, the work that maps is doing i mean there's there's a bunch of institutions right now that are pushing this research out into the wider public totally and i love it i mean i it's so crazy i i started living in peru almost 16 years ago and started the ayahuasca foundation uh, 11 years ago and i never when i started the ayahuasca foundation the idea that ayahuasca might be legal and that all you know plant medicine might be legal and that research organizations were going to be studying it and that psychedelic therapy was going to be a term we're not far away like five years from now you might go to a psychedelic therapist for your treatment of depression or anxiety or ptsd or something like that and 
that is to me really fantastic. And a lot of that is just because people are starting to realize just how powerful we, we are. You know, to me, um, the pharmaceutical industry pushed it too far. They, they were like too greedy. If they had, if they had been like moderately greedy, they probably could have kept us going for a while. But now we're just turning our backs on them. The human race is just fed up with it. And, and so we're, we're empowering ourselves and, and so, so grateful for John Hopkins University and Imperial College, which also announced their grant to build a psychedelic therapy research center in the UK and to King's College that's helping fund the research that we're doing at the Ayahuasca Foundation and the NHS. I mean, how crazy is it that a government is funding ayahuasca right. research? That is the, the future to me looks bright. It looks very, very bright. And people are returning to using plants the way that their ancestors did and 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 not you know they're not going full native so to speak it's being blended with the developments that we have made because it's not like modern culture was total crap Mm -hmm. you know there's been some really wonderful developments um in technology i'm certainly not against technology the fact that you and i are talking in this manner and so many people are listening is amazing right so I do envision like an incredible future, but that respects and honors the the wisdom of nature and incorporates it. And now with the uh, environmental movements as well, like I I I'm really hopeful for the future personally. Like I think it's mm. a pretty cool time to be alive. It's definitely an interesting time to be alive. I would say um, we are on the precipice, or in as far as a balance goes, there is there is it does seem to be that we're at a tipping point where people are becoming more conscious of of what's going on. We're becoming more conscious of our footprint here. We're realizing that we can no longer sort of sustain the way that we've been living in this consumerism based society. And, you know, people are starting to wake up to that slowly, but, you know, surely. And hopefully we get to a point where, more people are acting on on this and you know taking action and, and doing something for their local communities you know like it doesn't doesn't have to necessarily be you know a, an adventure or you know heading out to the junk the amazon rainforest i mean you can start to connect with the people in around you that are also interested in this and you know form groups that i think that would be a really great thing. I mean, if, if that was in my area, I would, I would have gone to that easily, you know, at first, um, Carlos, we're, we're running out of time, man. This flew by. Um, I want to give you a chance to kind of wrap this together. You know, if, if it, it sounds like, you know, you, are, this was your mission and we talked a bit, you know, in the pre-interview and I asked you, you know, if, if this was something you felt was programmed into your DNA and you said no, you know, and, you know, so, you know, I'm just, I'm just curious, you know, how you would kind of tie all this together, maybe for the people who are searching for this medicine, maybe they're struggling with different aspects of trauma. They're wondering if ayahuasca is for them or not. Um, You know, how do you, how do you wrap this together? Right. Well, there's a lot of different paths to take, of course, and ayahuasca is certainly one of them. Um, I ha- I have a bias towards ayahuasca, believe it or not. Um, I definitely feel like it is one of the most effective ways at treating trauma, and that's the, the particular focus of the research that we're doing, and the results have just been phenomenal, like I mentioned, in the ability of ayahuasca traditional therapy because it's not just ayahuasca. There's a whole group of plant medicines that are involved in uh, collaboration with the ayahuasca ceremonies. But to me, like I said, it's um, it's it's all about nature. And like you were talking about, it, you don't have to go far uh, to connect with nature. There's a park if you live in the city. You know, there there's your backyard if you live with a backyard. Um, there are gardens. You know, luckily there's there's nature everywhere, and just by connecting with it, and by connecting with it, what does that mean? You know, I I really just mean like 
just t- sitting in the grass, like touching the tree, like feeling the leaves of a plant, something very, very simple. Plants are always in this harmonious state. They're always in a state of balance. They don't get thrown off. You know, their consciousness is rock solid. And they can share that with us. They can bring us to a balanced state. Um, But if you are troubled by trauma and you are troubled by anxiety and, and crippled by depression, ayahuasca is definitely a fantastic option. Our center offers programs that range from one week to eight weeks. And um, if you feel like it is your calling also to be a healer with plant medicine, we have training programs or educational courses that we offer too. And um, so if you if you visit the website ayahuascafoundation.org, um, you can check out that information. And, and soon we'll be publishing the, the research on our own website, but that research will be published in over 10 journals in the next few months. Um, but beyond all of it, like I, I think that my greatest advice would be to try to condense the ideas of trusting in nature and trusting that you are a part of nature and that you are on the right path. Um, You know, sometimes we can feel lost and sometimes we can think that we're totally going in the wrong direction. And But having trust in everything working out will help you put one foot in front of the other and start moving forward. And, and so there are these little things that we can do and trusting in the process, trusting that it will all work out, putting your faith in a, something bigger than yourself, which I think is nature, which you are, uh, will be helpful in allowing you to figure things out, you know, allowing you to find the right path for you. And it's all going to work out. Like I guarantee it, it will all work out. That is an important perspective, I think, to have just to, to, like you said, to put, you know, one foot in front of the other. And a lot of people need that. A lot of people need just to find the ability to do that. Carlos, where can people find your work? Yeah, like I said, ayahuascafoundation.org is our uh, nonprofit organization and we have programs that you can check out on that website Um, i do have a youtube series that's also ayahuasca foundation on youtube where i just did uh, this year a 10-part series on lessons of ayahuasca things that you can do in your life today that were taught to me by plant medicine and um and yeah i am always available so if you ever want to write to me you can reach me through the website as well through the contact us page and i'll definitely respond and i also am happy to like do calls if people want to speak with me uh, in person perfect uh carlos i sincerely appreciate your time guys that's that's gonna wrap it up for us here on at hxp um wow i mean it we didn't drop any packets or any frames tonight i was really happy at the, the quality of the stream and i appreciate everyone that was here i know it's the, the holidays and everyone's with their family so i sincerely appreciate it if you're listening to this on youtube make sure you click like and subscribe to the youtube channel um if you're listening to this on the podcast version maybe leave us a review positive or, or negative i definitely read all those if you want to join the community get to allmylinks.com slash the human xp and there is an invite code at the top of that you can come and join us thank you guys so much for listening we will be back here next week i didn't take any time off at all for you guys so we will be back uh, on january 2nd with a fresh episode for you guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. We're going to get out of here. Good night.